This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Um, hey, Tanner. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. What? How are you? How fine. are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. I'm fine. I'm just checking in on you, checking in on your mental well-being. Look at the tweets. Okay, well, fucking stop it. Maybe I'm afraid of the way I love Pete Laryngis. I, I didn't say... Maybe I'm cont- afraid of the way Pete loves me. I didn't say continue to look at tweets and also sing. I'd stop <laughs> looking at tweets. I'm watching you, buddy. I can see you. Big Brother is watching. This is an important day, Tanner. Why? Today is the day. When to become one. No, I'm saying it. Need your love like I never needed love before. <laughs> I'm saying it. I wanna make love to you, Jackie. Ugh. <laughs> See, that's what happens. Today is the day when we make contact. Huh? We reached across the the void into the Sitterverse, and we made contact with Sweet Pete himself. Oh, 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 I see. Uh, yeah, Sweet Pete reached out to us. We um, did a campaign of harassment on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Baby Nation, please stop harassing Peter Larangis. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, you can harass him if you like. He he's likes a, it. He's aware of us. <laughs> <laughs> he knows our strength. Do you think it's going too far to say that he is one of our closest friends now? I think he might. I was creeping on his tweets. Yeah. I think he might live in New York City. Oh. Do you think he'll just like go grab a drink? Yeah. Like next time you're in town, we should be like, sweet Pete. Although sweet he, Pete. Didn't, he didn't follow us back. Oh, really? Yeah, so we can't DM him. Well, he's probably trying to keep his ratio. Oh, fuck. You're right. Well, unfollow yeah. Ann, Pete. Yeah. And or you know what? Unfollow Jana. Yeah, you don't need that presence in your life. Mm-mm. Um, but you could use us, and then we can just hit you up for drinks next time Jackson Town. Yeah. What's cool about that is when we're talking about Pete books, we can start saying Pete Larangis did not respond to a request for comment. Oh yeah. You know what my favorite is is um, Pete Larangis did not immediately respond. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Sweet Pete reached out to us, Baby Nation. It was a glorious day. Yeah. Uh, he knows we're out there. He can hear our voices. Pete, if you're listening, sorry we call you Pete. Sorry we call you Sweet Pete. Sorry we've sicked tens of thousands of listeners on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but enjoy those, uh, enjoy those likes. Enjoy those sweet menchies. Sweet, enjoy those menchies. Um, should we tell everybody? Should we talk about this book? Yeah, what the show is and everything? Mm, yes. Are we doing We Heart Kids Club this week, or? I was thinking BSCC. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. You know, there is, so I was, a lot of people tweeted us. Yeah. Baby Nation, we're just going to cut this out, but we're two weeks ahead, so the last episode that we heard was Don and the We Heart Kids Club. Sorry, I know there's been another one between then and now. But everyone was tweeting at us about the California diaries. They look bonkers. <laughs> yeah, they look crazy. They're like mid-90s, like edgy teen. It's like Degrassi. It's like Degrassi High. Yeah. Or junior high. But like well, is in Dawn a... in them? I don't, want I don't Dawn... think so. I think okay. it's about Sonny and Jill and other one. Yeah. And they're always like doing drugs and getting into trouble and having like teen pregnancies. That's intense. We should read them. Yeah, I'm down. Um, There's also been a, a huge groundswell for Sweet Valley High High when we're done here. Ooh, High High. It's not, it's not, oh, Sweet Valley High High is pretty good. Yeah. But I think Sweet Sweet Valley Boys is where it's got to go. Sweet Sweet Valley Boys is good too. Yeah. Here's the thing about the Sweet Valley High books, and this uh, admittedly is me talking uh, 30 years after I last read a Sweet Valley High book in a serious way. Uh-huh. Um, my memory is that Whereas the Babysitter's Club books have seven great, individually awesome babysitters. Mm, Debatable, but yep. Who look after each other in hard times and support each other. Yep. The Sweet Valley High books have no babysitters at all. Okay. Who's it focus on? 
it's focused on the two Wakefield twins, Jessica and Elizabeth, and they're both awful in very different ways. Are they are they like sort of a, a negative a moral barometer where it's like it's like the, they're like goofus. Don't be the Wakefield twins. Don't be either of them. Jessica is so bad she's good, and Elizabeth is so good she's bad. Ooh. That sounds awful. I don't want to read those. They're good, though. Are they into boys? Oh, yeah. Oh, I hate those books in the babysitter's boy called club. Todd, I think. No, it's it's a lot of boys. Um, but So my do, memory- Who do they babysit? Who are some of their charges? This is what's fucking crazy. Kind of the lovable kids. No, this is what's crazy, dude. They don't- Are you sitting down? Yeah. You can see me. Okay, good. Well, stay sitting down while I'm saying this, because otherwise you're going to need to take a seat. They don't- babysit anyone what do you mean they don't babysit anyone in the how book. do they earn money i it doesn't really how come do they up. make strong social bonds <laughs> they don't who do the b plots focus on it's just them and boys what are the pikes in it at least not the at Pike all. family no it's all in california oh yeah that sounds awful why oh. would we why would we go to that after this because there's so many of them let's read more books about um small town connecticut no, we gotta read the Sweet Valley. We gotta read the Sweet Valley books. It's the next. It's a BSC is a gateway drug for Sweet Valley, and that was true for me as a kid. When I read the BSC books, after a while, I just my eye kept wandering over to those Sweet Valley books, and they're good. They're just different. Let's read. Let's read the Cosmere universe. No, because it encompasses several different sagas of books. We've got the Oathbreaker. We've got Stormlight Archive. We've got Mistborn. And Sanderson is almost as prolific as Martin. And Sweet Pete. And, Sweet and Pete. he's on social media. Yeah. <laughs> we could sick Cosmere Nation on him. <laughs> you ready to go? Yeah. You want me to introduce the show, huh? Yep. We're just shooting the shit. Hi, hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard. And I, Tanner Greenring. Talk about the classic novels of The Princess of the Prince of Towns. Annabelle Matthews, Martin, Stormborn, Sanctified, Stormwalker, Priestess, Time Lady, Bane to Bats, Skinner of Souls, First of Her Name, Last of Her Kind, Last Hope for Humankind. There needs to be a gendered equivalent to Lord Mm -hmm. that packs the same punch as Lord. And Lady, I, I recognize from a technical standpoint that Lady is that, Mm -hmm. but it just time lady time lady sounds weird falls short yep i agree well don't take that up with me take that up with ann i'm not making these up ann ann if you're listening yeah pete i know you're listening yeah (laughs) can you please tweet ann yeah first of all pete follow us on twitter so we can hook up with you and grab drinks sometimes yeah and if you're not a drinker we'll grab dinner whatever we'll drink though we'll drink yeah um i can bring weed too oh sorry um Tweet at Anne and ask her what gendered equivalent to Lord she prefers. Yeah, someone who walks through time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we talk about the classic novels of Annabelle Matthews Martin uh, in her great sitter's cycle. This week, Baby Nation, we read a book called Jesse's Horrible Prank. It was a Jesse book, uh, and it was written uh, by Annabelle Matthews Martin, aforementioned, and her... Her great friend and confident, and and may I say our great friend. Yeah. May I say our best friend. Right. Peter Larangis, Sweet Pete. Sweet Pete. Sweet Pete Larangis. Tanner, should we talk about the book that we read? Yep. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was fucking great. I I was worried with the title that it was going to be a very special app. It was a little bit of a special app. Well. Jesse drove a man to quit his job and leave the state of Connecticut. True. And flee to the verdant hills True. of Vermont, never to be seen or heard from again. Yes. And I want to get into that, but it wasn't right. treated as if it were a very special Babysitter's no. Club book. No, no, no. I'm starting to pick up this trend with Jesse. Mm-hmm. I'll preface this by saying that I like Jesse and I like Jesse books, but Jesse is infallible. Well, she made some mistakes this week. In a way that I find very obnoxious no 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 but she's always like off the hook she's always like i definitely didn't want to do this i was peer pressured into doing it yeah i was very much against this i am a moral true north right 
And it kind of like, it turns me off to the Jesse character a little bit. It feels fake. She feels lawful good, and no excellent character is ever lawful good. Uh, Superman? Boring character. <laughs> He's boring. Yeah, I think you're right. He's the most boring superhero. Um, yeah, I liked Jesse in this book, but she doesn't make too many mistakes. She never does. She fucked up this week, Tanner. She fucked up in a big way. Um, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, this character, Michael Trout. Yeah, Mike P. Trout. What a character Sweet yep. Pete has introduced us to. Right. Um, and Jesse essentially drives him... Insane. Drives him insane. Right. Runs him out of town. He flees to a hermit shack yeah. in the hills of Vermont where the whisper is in the darkness. Yeah. Claw at his at the edges of his property line, and his hounds bark every night at the warped figures, the warped shadows moving between the trees. Yeah, I assume every night he screams for help. Right, not even help, just the warmth of human contact. Right, but that warmth is thanks to Jesse, nothing but a distant memory for him. Right, he's a little like um, Hindenburg from the hit series Breaking Bad. Okay. He flees his life. He leaves everything behind. He moves to the remote, icy, cold hills of the Northeast and just kind of gives in, lets his demons take over. I'm very much hoping that we're going to have a Trout spinoff. You want a series of books following the life of Michael Trout? The Lonely Life of Michael P. Trout. I've, I mean, I've got good news. Yeah. So kind of they go, we'll get to the recaps in a second, but they kind of go into the character of Michael Trout. He's a bad substitute teacher Mm -hmm. baby nation and jesse plays a mean prank on him the Mm -hmm. titular mean prank and he quits education and jesse feels bad and she goes to the principal and she's like oh i feel bad that i drove this guy away from his career and mr kingsbridge is like oh no jesse it's fine he was a bad teacher it was bad some people are not made out to be teachers but well, he d- he did go on to kind of an, an illustrious career, so it's it's all good news. Well, that's debatable, but no, it's not. I've got a Ringer article right here. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it about the baseball player Mike Trout? Yeah. What yeah, a- Mike Trout, pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay. Number twenty-two. He hurt his thumb earlier this summer, but he's coming back soon. How old is he? He might already be back. Uh, this doesn't say, <laughs> but apparently he's one of the greatest pitchers in baseball history. Okay. Plays for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. Pitcher. Michael P. Trout. No middle name given here, but I assume it's the same guy. Yeah. It's a pretty uncommon name. Very uncommon name. Right. Mike? So it's like, he's sure, he's not a great teacher, elementary school teacher, but it sounds like he's an MVP MLB pitcher. But is he happy? No, he broke his thumb earlier <laughs> yeah. this summer. <laughs> That sucks. <laughs> I don't mean to make light of someone who <laughs> was drummed out of Stony Brook and then later broke their thumb. <laughs> At the height of his baseball career. Yeah. This is really fucking sad. Um, how about we describe this novel for the Baby Nation and then we can dig deeper. Sure, I can keep Googling Michael Trout, though, if you'd like. <laughs> no, I, I'm not sure that I would. Um, let's uh, describe this novel for the Baby Nation. Tanner, oh, no. takes two to tango. Yep. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm looking up um, Michael Trout on a police records website. <laughs> Stop it. I just want to see what he's been up to since he fled Connecticut. Why don't we ask um, Pete Larangis? Oh, sweet Pete. Yeah. Should I, well, I can't fucking tweet him. God damn it, Pete. We're doing our best here, bud. If you tweet at him, hey, whatever happened to Michael P. Trout, then we can at least say in this podcast, Pete Larangis could not be reached for comment. Could not immediately be reached for comment. Did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Right. Okay. I'll tweet him. Yeah. I'll ask him here. Yeah. Pete, whatever happened to Michael Trout? Pete, I know you're listening. Oh, no response. Okay. Sorry, Baby Nation. Pete could not immediately be reached for comment. Well, that's suspicious. Don't you think? We know he keeps an amazing character Bible. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Well, we got a pretty deep backstory into Michael Trout this week. Yeah. Well, how about we uh, give the Baby Nation a deep backstory into Michael Trout via describing this novel for them. First me, then you. Okay, but I don't think either of us is going to get that deep. (laughs) You because you always spout nonsense, and me because I only get 60 seconds, which I use to their fullest, but Eh. still. Eh. 
it's a very brief amount of time. I'm gonna describe the novel and I'm gonna begin now. You ready? Yeah, man. Good. This is the story of Michael P. Trout. Michael P. Trout is a son, a teacher, an engineer, but he is not like the others. Michael P. Trout is a citizen, a student, a programmer, but he is not like the others. Michael P. Trout is a human being, a lost soul, a loner, and he is not like the others. Michael P. Trout is ignored, abused, hated, mocked, and driven out of town because he is not like the others. This is the story of Michael P. Trout, who is so many things and yearns to be so much more, but never will because he is not like the others. This is the story of Michael P. Trout, and it is the saddest story ever told. Jesse's horrible prank. Michael P. Trout. Except there's redemption there at the end, you know? With the baseball thing? Yep. I thought you were just looking him up on an arrest record site. He went on to uh, become one of the greatest baseball pitchers ever known. He um, broke his arm. He went to the doctor. The doctor set it in a cast. He got the cast off, and all of a sudden he had a super powerful (laughs) arm. We don't know that. Threw a baseball, hit the doctor in the butt, and the doctor said, funky butt loving. What? What? Is this on The Ringer still? No, this is the plot of a 90s movie called Most Valuable Teen. I don't know. It's about a teen baseball pitcher <laughs> yeah. who breaks his arm. He throws a ball at a doctor, and the doctor says, funky butt loving. But why? Uh, it's just an exclamation of pain. <laughs> okay. Um, I missed that one. It might have been Most Valuable Primate. Oh, I feel like I've heard of that. It was after Air Bud. But the hockey-playing monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was a chimp who played hockey. Okay, called Michael P. Trout. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> they never say in this text that he's not a chimp. That's a very good point. It's never yeah. explicitly stated. Well, do we have any monkey scientists? Yeah, there's um, Baby B. Alley. Well, could we have her kind of dig into this text to see if there's any evidence one way or the other that this is yeah. definitely not or definitely is most valuable primate, the chimp in the movie MVP? Baby B. Alley, let us know if you kind of get a sense from our podcast whether or not substitute computer science teacher Michael P. Trout is indeed MVP, most valuable primate, the yeah. hockey playing chimpanzee. Yeah. And I know you're a monkey scientist and chimps are great apes, but... <laughs> Let's not split hairs here. Well, you're starting to sound like a monkey scientist over well, there, Well, I've buddy. picked up a lot in the, in the time we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, you kind of have to be a uh, amateur primateologist. Apiologist. Apiologist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Don't at me, apiologist. <laughs> Um, why, why don't you describe the book? I did it. Oh, shit. I forgot I had to do it, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, think... I gave him something, because this this book was poignant as hell to me. I'm going to tip my hand now. Oh, did you really Did you really identify with the Michael P. Trout oh, character? Oh, so very much. <laughs> such a fucking loser. So very much. I felt so badly for him. Ugh, sad. He's the most pathetic character. I mean, I did also feel bad for him, but like Ugh. from an from an outsider perspective, I didn't sympathize with him. Baby Nation, it's brutal what happens to him. And what makes it worse is that he is abandoned not just by Jesse and the other students at SMS, and not just by this, the teachers and the principal at SMS, but by Pete and by Anne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They abandon him. Yep. As is the case lately. Yeah. This book does not end in a positive resolution. There's no Shakespearean ending. There's no wedding at the end of this book. It's more like one of Shakespeare's mystery plays. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh... Like Cymbeline. Yeah, Cymbeline in the the haunted mall. It's like... Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like the Winter's Tale. Yeah. Um, The novel ends without explicitly saying that the hazing and drumming out of town of Michael P. Trout was worthy of censure. Right. The novel ends with Trout's 
ignominious departure from town and from teaching life. Right. And his life doesn't get any better. No, and and a confirmation from him. And Pete and Anne, and I I love them both, but Pete and Anne are complicit in this. They're both like, well, he was a bad teacher. Well, should I? so should I read the last passage? Um, it feels salient. Do it. Jesse feels bad for drumming this man out of town, as stated. Yeah. And she feels guilty. She can hear the, like, tick-tock of his heart beneath her floorboards. Right. And she wants to get him back to Stony Brook so that she can face herself. She can look herself in the mirror again. And she writes him and says, Mr. Trout, I'm sorry we were mean to you. I'm sorry we pulled pranks on you. We'll get into that in a moment, Baby Nation. Please come back. We'll give you another shot. And he responded, Dear Jessica. Good, good trout voice. Thank you so much for your letter. It meant a lot to me. I'm sorry you feel so bad. You needn't. I always found you to be a thoughtful, attentive student. I certainly appreciate your kind invitation to return, but you must understand, I simply cannot. I've applied to a graduate program in advanced computer studies. I'd like to go into research someday. Wish me luck. My very best to you in the developments of your many talents. Sincerely, Michael P. Trout. And that's it. That's literally the last and then it's and then it's the happy reading section. Oh, and 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 the happy reading section and A abdicates her moral responsibility to say something right. about what they did to this man. In fact, she validates it. She validates it. She says, it. "I was a prankster growing up. I loved yeah. pulling pranks. I loved driving sad men yeah, out of Princeton, New Jersey. Yeah. Often my parents would wake me up in the middle of the night, just as my sister and I had gone to sleep, and pile us all into the family station wagon, go find a sad, lonely man. Right. And, and mock him. drive him all the way out of Princeton, New Jersey, never to return. Uh, Anna Martin drives lonely men out of New Jersey. Um, yep, her and her parents. Yeah. She relishes the suffering of others yeah and i think that's what she's trying to say in this happy reading section which noticeably because we're fucking on to you Anne. right she ends with a comma when she says happy reading and not with an exclamation point happy reading happy reading and her happy reading section this is a paraphrase but it's essentially what it is was hey you just read this book about the hazing of a lonely man right i condone it and not only do i condone it but i used to do it my family and i Love to haze lonely men. That's who I am. That's who we are. Get fucking used to it. Happy reading. Right. Happy reading. Happy reading. To be a fly on that wall in, what, what 1994 at this point? Yeah, 94. Pete, a young, God, a beautiful young Pete Larangis is sitting there in the room. Oh, my God. F- flowing locks. Having a conversation with Anna M. Martin, and Anne's like... Do you think they live together? Yep. Yeah. They're in their shared apartment, and Anne was like, this book is about the babysitters driving away a lonely man. Yeah. Through mockery. And John Ann Malcolm's like, well, what about if... And Pete and Anne are both like, shut the fuck no, up. No, Pete has nothing, wants nothing to do with this. <laughs> Pete is like, no, I will not, Anne. I can't do this. And Anne is like, who signs your paychecks, Peter? Wow. Baby Nation... Pete Larangis did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Or a request to answer our question, who signs his paychecks? Yeah. I imagine <laughs> so, it's scholastic. As far as we know, as far as these reporters know, that was an accurate recreation right. of the scene in 1994. Jesse is perfect in this book, and she has, wants nothing to do with these pranks, and she hates that she's being dragged down to her, the level of her classmates. That's Pete. So do you think that Pete's manuscript had her standing up against the pranking? Yeah, absolutely. She's a, a beacon of beautiful light in this gloomy prank verse And Anne was like, I've got a few notes. This book was originally called by Anne, Jesse's Hilarious Prank. Right. <laughs> Jesse's very good prank. Jesse's excellent prank. Ha ha, LOL. Fuck Mr. Trout. Michael Trout is never going to darken our doors again. I hope you die in those hills in Vermont, Michael Trout. 
Maybe he did. He probably did. He probably did. The whisper in the darkness got him. Anyway, uh, I never did my recap, and we are... Ooh. Oops. 40 minutes in. Okay, do your repack. Oops. Fuck. I said repack. I would like for you to... <laughs> Don't laugh at it. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> it's, we don't have to dwell on every fucking verbal mistake. Repack. <laughs> Is it just dyslexia? Did you just switch the P and the C? It's like K-packs. Um, <laughs> okay, a, I'm listening. It's the planet next to K-packs. Um, Tanner. LPEX, am I right? No. Um, Do you get it? I'm going to put 60 seconds. Oh, my God. Tanner, I've got a big bad clock. I'm going to put 60 seconds on it. You're going to recap this book. Are you ready? L comes after K. I'd like for you to begin recapping this novel right now. Taking a swig. Uh, <coughs> Jesse <laughs> is a babysitter in Stony Brook, Connecticut. She um, She's taking a class called like Vital Le- Lessons or something where it's like a rotating curriculum and they have this man called mr trouden who's teaching them computer science but he's like a pushover and everyone pranks him all the time and they're always doing mean things like dropping their books in sync and it startles him at one point one of the boys rigs up a fishing line in this like crazy slapstick routine ribs up this fishing line so that it takes off mr trout's hair his toupee uh, Jesse is also auditioning for this um, Follies program where they do kind of like a send em ups roast style play where she plays uh, Mr. Trout um, and she wears a bald cap and she pre- pretends to be a Klingon and she mocks him and he's there to witness the performance and he flees uh, Stony Brook, Connecticut and the school that he teaches at. Um, C plot is. Oh, all the babysitters. Uh, you don't need to keep do... speeding up. Your time ran out quite a while ago, but I'm super interested to continue uh, listening to what you have to say. Why do you even time it then, Jack? Because I loved this tale. I loved this story. I loved this fucking tragedy that Pete Larangis has written for us. This amazing exploration of the loneliness and sorrow that lurks behind every human existence behind every gesture every public gesture to find commonality with our fellow human which is inevitably doomed to failure it's a beautiful beautiful tale and you were describing it beautifully c plot is that all the babysitters charges Mm -hmm. put on a follies program of their own where they ruthlessly mock the members of the babysitters club yeah anyway let's get back into this bd book um i'd like to get a beer actually yeah okay i'll grab a beer too all right well kind of feels like we should talk a little bit more about michael p trout sure what else we (laughs) talk about anything else (laughs) there's a lot happening in this book man we unlock some more ciphers with Squirtglish. Yeah. And we finally get a name to this dialect. Right. That was first established dozens of books ago. I read a book, did I recommend this to you, called In the Land of Invented Languages? That's about the history of people trying to invent languages. Um, and with the exception of Esperanto and Klingon, there are very few invented languages that have ever achieved anything other than manuscript form so anna martin and pete larangis here with the invention of squirtglish have already excelled beyond what most practitioners of the field have ever done right it's her J.R.R. tolkien yeah whoever invented klingon Mm -hmm. and that's it rarefied air and esperanto but esperanto is a legitimate language but it was invented well, sure, but all language is invented, idiot. No, it's not, idiot. I suppose you're going to tell me next that you believe in the Sapir-Whorf theory of linguistics. <laughs> <laughs> Who would believe in that, right? <laughs> that one's been discredited for quite a while oh. now. <laughs> so uh, what's the what's the prevailing theory on language then? <laughs> Tower of Babel, or <laughs> it just happens, man. We are always already inside it. 
It's invented. Everything no, is invented. It's not invented. It happens. Invented is somebody sat down and like wrote it out. Nobody sat down and wrote out how English was gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> what a stupid thing to say. Yeah. Can you imagine? Idiots. Yeah. All these idiots out here. Whew, that was good. Um, but yeah, so Anne and Peter really distinguishing themselves here. Yeah. Uh, with Squirtglish. 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 Squirt is, uh, I was going to say Becky. Becca Ramsey's brother, but I guess <laughs> Squirt I is, said it too. <laughs> Squirt is just as equally Jesse's brother. Jesse Ramsey's young brother, toddler, um, not yet of speaking age, so he uses a dialect known as Squirtglish. Squirtglish, yeah. To um, express himself. Yeah. And previously, Jack had tried to find some ciphers to help kind of bring this into English, mm-hmm. um, a uh, kind of sister language to Squirtlish. Uh, that's why they kind of have that same root of yeah. glish. But now we, we've got so we've got some more. Uh, it seems like the language has developed quite a bit since then. Yeah, the fact that it says glish, that's a really good point, it means to me that it, it's supposed to have some analogs to English. Or English has analogs to it. Oh, you think that it might predate English? Could be. Hard yeah. to say. I I don't really buy into this uh, theory that language was invented, you know? <laughs> I feel like it was kind of uh, naturally born out of, out of human circumstance. We're always already inside it. right. Yeah. So it's hard to say what came first, Squirtglish or English. So, okay, well, so we know that there is an invented language uh, for Squirt that is of some significant interest. And Babysitter's Club scholars have been trying to decipher Squirtglish since uh, the novel Jesse's Secret Language, uh, which is a book very much about language. Um, Des C. Des hyphen C is. Yeah. Jesse. Des? This is Squirklish. Sorry, this is Squirklish. Okay, yeah, you should preface that. Des. D-E-S-S. Hyphen. C-S-E-E-E. Exclamation point. That has similar phonemes to Jesse. Right, Which certainly validates the idea that it is related in some way to English, but we have to be fucking careful of this. If you have read any of the stuff about the decipherment of Linear B... I, yeah, I have. All of the scholars, right up until Alice Colber, uh, fell into this trap of seeing things that weren't there, the, right, seeing yeah, yeah. analogs that weren't there. Um, I really liked what um, Phineas Macklemore had to say about <laughs> it. Um, the rapper? Ah, den. Ah, den. Ah, den. Ah, den. Ah, den. What is that? A-H apostrophe, and then this is in italics, D-E-N. Mm-hmm. Ah, den. Ah, den. What does that, that means, mean? Uh, again. Okay, again, we've got phonemes in common here. Right. Right? Ah, den sounds like somebody trying to say again in dialect. Duk, duk, deuce. Okay. Okay, duk, duk, deuce. Duk, duk, deuce. It's, it's a lot of hard consonants in this language. Oh, it's the name of a popular um, children's game in the kind of the uh, squirt-glish culture. What's up, 7-Up? No, it's like a bunch of players sit in a circle, and one player goes around hitting kids on the head mm-hmm. and says, duke, 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 duke. And when they hit a certain kid on this head and say, deuce, that yeah. kid has to get up and chase the other one around. Pretty sure that's what's up, 7-Up. No, it's um, it's duck, duck, gray duck. <laughs> I think these are all probably pretty late stage words in... It sounds oh, either some... either English or Squirtlish, where the they're kind of coming together a little bit. Yeah, I feel like at this point the Squirtlish culture and like the the you know the Anglo-Saxons had kind of met. Yeah, and there was some delusion. It sounds like there are some Greek and Latin roots in there too. So it's not just Anglo-Saxons. It may just be early, like Middle English, like whoever was hanging out in England in like the let's say 13th century must have encountered the Squirtglish people. Right. Do you think the Squirtglish is like a pocket of sort of like people who haven't progressed with the rest of the world? Like maybe they were kind of cut off from modern society and have sort of lived this sort of middle English lifestyle. Dude. And the language kind of halted. Yes. 
And I just realized something. Here's a passage from this novel, Tanner, that terrifyingly backs up what you're saying. Okay. Squirt disappears in the house. They can't find him. Right. Another thing he's capable of doing. Right. He disappears. Just suddenly, he was there and now he's not. Right. Aunt Cecilia and Becca and uh, Jesse become worried and start looking for him. I can't find him, Aunt Cecilia, Becca said. Oh, my lord, that boy will be the death of me, Aunt Cecilia replied prophetically. (laughs) (laughs) Editorializing, but yeah. (laughs) I'm editorializing a little bit, but... John Philip, where are you? Squirt, Becca called out. John Philip and Squirt are the same person. Right. So he John also, Philip is kind of his like Western name. That's his yeah. That's his English side or his, his human side. Right. John Philip and Squirt are the same person. My baby brother. He popped out from behind a rhododendron bush, yelling "War, War!" Ooh. Okay. <laughs> that's a phoneme if ever there was one. Uh huh. <laughs> Sounds a lot like "War." Yeah. Ah, a dinosaur. Oh, okay. Becca squealed. Squirt shrieked with excitement, then he raised his hands over his head and repeated, War! So he's locked in this sort of stone age, where language is still in its infancy, and he's still surrounded by dinosaurs. Well, dinosaurs, as we know, is a major faction in these novels. Right, right. Uh, And we now know that Squirt is aligned with them, and we also know that he speaks their language. I think the entire Squirtglish culture is probably aligned with them. Yeah. Another another faction kind of reared its ugly head in this book. Well, this is a book that is faction-heavy, right? We've got these dinosaurs. The dinosaurs were prominent, but the dolls continue to make moves this week, Baby Nation. The dolls have been... The preeminent faction since yeah. the faction wars began. Right. And this week, two prominent new characters brought into the scene by Pete Larangis called the Dollies. Two teachers at Stony Brook, Connecticut, who host the kind of glee club folly festival. Who are indistinguishable from one another. Right. Technically, they're named for Dolly Parton, but they just kind of keep referring to one another as the Dollies. <laughs> Dolly 1 and Dolly 2. And I feel like that can't, you can't just overlook that. Um, you said this is a faction-heavy book, and you just named two. Come on, let's keep it going. Well, by faction-heavy, what I meant, Tanner, <laughs> is, is that, that I need to backpedal now. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. What I meant is that this is a book that advances the mythology of the Sitterverse particularly as it relates to the factions. I believe that the expulsion of Michael P. Trout, the tragedy of Michael P. Trout, which is in some ways unresolved, is unsatisfyingly resolved in this book, was something that was necessary. Human representative of the fish fish faction. faction. (laughs) Michael P. Trout. Right. The expulsion of Trout... Like, this is a story about martyrdom, right? This is a story about somebody who has to die so that the social order can be maintained. It's a classic story in Western culture, and now it's happening here in our precious Sitterverse, right? We already Are know. Are you comparing this- Michael B. Trout to Jesus Christ right now? <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> sure. Okay. I Unapologetically. Hear that, Pete? <laughs> this is a Christ figure. He you, is, wrote, you wrote a Christ allegory here, Pete. You didn't even is, know it. He, oh, you're saying that Pete doesn't know it? <laughs> uh, Pete Loran just could not be immediately reached for comment. But this is obviously a novel about a Christ figure who is expelled from the paradisical garden that Anne is trying to create. Which right? makes Jesse Ramsey either Pontius Pilate or Judas? Oh my goodness. No, it's 100% Pontius Pilate. Yeah. But Pontius Pilate was kind of complicit in the I death wash of Christ. my hands of this, says Pontius Pilate. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So Jesse's a Pontius Pilate character. Yeah. 
I guess Mr. Kingsbridge is then the Judas character. Yeah, his fellow teachers who ultimately deliver him into the hands of Pilate. Right. Um, it's. I think this is the deal that Pete and Anne have made, right? Which is that they're not happy about the treatment of Trout. Like, they ultimately want a good world oh, no. for these babysitters. Anne loves it. Yeah. Pete is not happy with the treatment of Trout. Pete's not happy with it. Yeah, right. and and takes a broader view. Right. But both of them ultimately allow Trout to be sacrificed so that order can be maintained. Right. Right? Yeah, And that's how it works. It's like, well, it's like Pilot. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, he seems fine. He's never done anything wrong to me. But right. like if we want things to go on as normal, we, we just can't have Trout gumming up the works. Well, that was the um... – that was the end of the Roman Empire, Jack. It's the end of a lot of things. It was the end of the common era. Are you saying that this is going to be kind of one of those pivotal moments? Is this the end of the Stony Brook Empire? Should we start dating these books differently? Yeah, post-Trout. Post-Trout? <laughs> yeah. This is A-T, after Trout. Yeah. Every episode before now was numbered in the B-T yeah. era. <laughs> We're now living in the after-Trout era. Yeah. Um, and this so is we'll like, start again next week with one AT. <laughs> yeah. God, that's going to get so confusing. Our numbering is already confusing. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Like someone had to suffer and it was Trout. He had to take on the sins of Stony Brook. Like we've already talked about how things are just like going south in Stony Brook ever since Dawn left. You know, right. there's a crack in the fabric of reality. Our last Christ-like figure has departed. Yeah, and the factions are creeping back in. We've got dinosaurs, we've got dolls. Everybody's creeping back in. Things are falling apart. The Squirtlish, a tribe that we haven't heard from in eons. Oh my god. Just out are of all the nowhere. sudden back. Yeah. Shape shifting. Oh, it's fucking terrifying. Um Do you, Tanner <laughs> while I have you now? Pull us out. Pull us out. <laughs> I'm pulling the ripcord. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at how long we've been recording. It's... I know, and like honestly, we are like six layers deep just then. <laughs> we well, were in is... factions. We were in Christ. We were in in Mister Trout. We were describing the books. Still, there's so much in this book. This is the thing about peat books, man. Did you catch the reference that Jesse says where she refers to the original babysitters as the Big Four? Um, I did catch that, yeah. And then she calls Christy the big one. Right, the big one. And she calls Mal's brothers and sisters the seven terrors. Wow, it's like right out of the Old Testament. You've heard of the seven dwarves. Well, Mal's brothers and sisters are the seven terrors. Chaos, disaster, ruckus, racket, pandemonium, turmoil, and noise. They even name them. You've got the big four fighting against the seven terrors. The only way to stop something like that and the creeping of more and more factions through this veil is a sacrifice right a human sacrifice that's mr trout do you not think that michael p trout and i know sweet pete if you're listening that this was deliberate is designed to have resonance with j alfred prufrock in what way no fuck you no you're not talking about your your stupid I'm not talking about T.S. Eliot. Pete was. Right? And indeed, there will be time to wonder, do I dare and do I dare? Time to turn back and descend the stair with a bald spot in the middle of my hair. They will say how his hair is growing thin. How his hair is growing thin. Michael P. Trout, J. Alfred Prufrock, these sad figures, these lonely outcasts, these marginal people who we must ignore if we're going to go on about the business of our lives. This book is a tragedy, and it's presented as something else. It's presented as somehow a writing of the ship. But at what cost? At the cost, Tanner. Of Michael P. Trout. First I was afraid. I was petrified. Thought that I would have to live without Larangis by my side. <laughs> I spent so many books thinking Anne had done me wrong. But I read in. 
And then that moment came along. So now Pete's back. He's in my face. I just read on to find him here with perfect jokes on every page. I should have turned the pages fast. I should have waited patiently. If I'd had known in this great book that you'd be back to delight me. That's a good as hell. Yeah, that's from Baby B. Betsy. At Betsy Turner on Twitter. Everyone go follow at Betsy Twitter because she delivers some banging tunes for Larangus Moment. Oh my god, that's a really good one. And we've gotten some fucking great ones. A segment that was handed down to us mm-hmm. from Anna Martin. Right. Oh, who yeah. has padding on her office floor. I still don't have padding here. Yeah, that's a mistake. I've got some down. Yeah, it's for the moment. Jack, I want to know the moment in this book when you were reading that you realized. Because Baby Nation, it's not revealed who the ghostwriter of the book is until after the happy reading section. The author gratefully acknowledges X for their help with the manuscript of this book. So we don't know. We don't know immediately whether or not this is a Pete book, a... Nola Thacker book, an Ellen Miles book, an uh, entity known as Jonna and Malcolm book. But we we can always get kind of a little taste of old Sweet Pete kind of dancing along the page, you know? Dropping off his, his, his tasty little morsels as he dances across these pages. Here's my Lorange's moment, Tanner. Here's the moment where I knew that no one other than the great Sweet Pete Larangis could have written this novel. This is the 75th Babysitter's Club book that I have read. And in each one of those 75 books, there is a what we have affectionately come to refer to as a chapter two. Yep. Uh, which essentially repeats the same boilerplate formula that the scholastic lawyers wrote down in like staple to the fucking door of their offices right they make every um babysitter's club ghostwriter get this tattooed on their forearm right and then they just look at their forearm and write down the same goddamn boilerplate thing that's like christy had this idea when her mom was trying to babysit for her brother dave michael and christy's full of great ideas she invented these things called kid kits her dad left when she was little dawn's into health food stacy has diabetes jesse is black but her best friend is white her name is mal they both love horror stories marianne cries she has a boyfriend called logan first to get a boyfriend claudia's exotic looking oh boy guess what After 75 books, somebody finally broke the mold. And there's only one person who breaks the mold out here. And it's Sweet Pete Larangis. This is... Did you catch this one, Tanner? Mine is also in Chapter 2, so I'm I'm really hoping our cycle synced up on this one. (laughs) That's a weird way of saying that. Uh, This is how Pete Larangis does his Chapter 2. Okay, I said I'd tell you all about the BSC, so here goes. A History of the Babysitter's Club by Jessica Ramsey. It was a dark and stormy night in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Time and time again, a telephone receiver slammed in the Thomas house. Woe is me, cried Mrs. Thomas, for I cannot find a suitable person to watch over my youngest offspring, and my three eldest are unavailable tonight. Alas, my heart aches to see my mother in such distress, thought Christy, alone with four children abandoned by a husband, my father, and deserving a night out. Oh, if only there were a single phone number at which she might reach a group of reliable sitters. Christy spoke up, struck by an inspiration. Quickly, she called her two best friends, Claudia Kishi and Marianne Spear. Hark! Hear my plan, announced Christy to each. Let us meet regularly, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday between 5.30 and 6. Let us elect officers and have a telephone. Henceforth, at those appointed times, the parents in our fair village may secure the services of whoever shall join me in this historic enterprise. I shall ask my friend Stacy to join, said Claudia. With exclamations of joy and triumph, the Babysitter's Club was born. Quickly, its fame grew, and the club expanded to nine members. Stony Brook lived happily ever after, as did Mrs. Thomas, who married a millionaire. That is a fucking literary masterpiece. That's straight out of the Bible. 
That's straight out of the character Bible. That's straight out of the Bible. That's book one. That's book one of the Stony Brook Bible. Oh. It's, Pete was like, oh, this will be easy. Do you think that Pete, because I feel like he's not a man who does things by half, do you think he etched that into stone tablets? Yeah. He keeps going to small conservative towns and putting it up in front of their courthouses. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of pending Supreme Court cases. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love him for trying, though. I'll tell you what my um, my my sweet Pete Pete Lorange's moment it was this week. Mm-hmm. History of the Babysitters Club by Jessica Ramsey. Wait, no, I already did it though. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> <laughs> our cycles our cycles synced up this week our cycles synced up that's beautiful yeah the second i read that i was like oh here's our boy sweet pete that's our boy that's our boy innovating even where everyone else just kind of phones it in right good stuff from pete larangis good stuff from pete larangis speaking of pete larangis this is gonna take a little while so i wanted to get into it now yeah Jack Shepard, did you have a... Burn of the week! Yeah, buddy. I'm going to guess that you had about a thousand of them. Yeah, I had a bunch. I had a bunch. I'm looking at my notes here. I even have some diagrams in here. Okay. My burn of the week, Jack, this week was chapter 14 of this book. Okay. Chapter 14 of this book is when the Babysitter's Club charges mm-hmm. put on their own Follies play mm-hmm. about the Babysitter's Club members. And Pete wrote that whole fucking play. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a three-hour, like, it's an epic play. Yeah. I don't even know where to start because the whole thing is just gold. I'm going to need a moment to condense my notes here. Can you go ahead and give me yours? I'm just looking at this fucking diagram. Somebody... Sanjita, new character. New character. She's a classmate of Jesse's. She's in Mr. Trout's class. <laughs> she asked Jesse this note, uh-huh. and on it, we'll she post is it. Baby Nation, we'll post it. At first, you might wonder, is she a budding ichthyologist? Uh-huh. Study of icky things. <laughs> because she like has fish. drawn here a picture of a... Photorealistic. Photorealistic painting of a fish with his or her mouth wide open in surprise uh but it's wearing glasses and a toupee and it is labeled trout yeah he's got like a toupee on there's like a note being dangled on a fish hook the thing about this that resonated with me particularly is i did this precise thing memorably at Jesse's age. You took a fish hook and you attached it to a roll-up map on the wall. And stole the toupee. From a sad man. From a sad man and then ran him out of town. Yeah. I loved to do pranks. Loved um, to do pranks. No, I got caught having drawn a very elaborate picture of my very nice biology teacher, Mrs. Khan. Um... The only thing I remember about the picture that just is emblazoned on my memory because I had to explain to the principal why I did this mm-hmm. is that I had drawn in her hair three apartment complexes and labeled them apartment houses for lice. Good. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. a very good joke. Yeah. Uh, complex it's complex sophisticated humor there are a bunch of other things going on but that's the one that really Um, stuck with me and i know having known you for the better part of 10 years that you're not much of an artist so that must have been something to see yeah no i think it was all of the senior staff um eventually had a a, kick out of it huh had a look at it yeah (laughs) i'm assuming she fled brighton Uh, england yeah we ran her out of town yeah all right, Baby Nation, so chapter 14 of this book is just essentially one long burn. I'll read you the highlights. This is uh, Vanessa Pike. Welcome to our BSC Follies. We hope you laugh and have some jollies. Listen up and follow me to a meeting of the BSC. Then she bowed and said thank you. Wild applause. Boo! Adam <laughs> cried out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, that's number one. <laughs> that was very good. Yeah, I liked that. <laughs> one by one, the kids came out of the barn. First, Marilyn Arnold, wearing a visor, turned backwards and a jogging suit. Hi, I'm Christy, she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Christy hit her face, and everyone burst out in laughter. Vanessa walked out, toting a huge backpack. She had her hair pulled back and fastened by something that looked like a dog bone. She pulled out a Milky Way bar, stuffed it in her mouth, and said, Hi, I'm Claudia. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Claudia screamed. Carolyn followed her, pretending to cry. I'm Marianne. <laughs> the real Marianne turned red as a beet. And then finally, my very last one, and this is the greatest one of them all. Yeah. A paragraph later, they're still doing this skit. Then, after whispering something to Vanessa, Margot yelled, Bring! Vanessa picked up the phone and said, Hello, Babysitter's Club. Who? The Pike Triplets? Sorry, you'll have to call the Monkey Sitter's Club. <laughs> do monkeys have babysitters? Um, I don't know. Should we get, do we have any monkey experts in Baby Nation? I don't know if there are any monkey scientists in Baby Nation. Monkey scientists, if you're out there, if you're listening, Pete, if yeah. you know any monkey scientists, yeah, uh, we just need to know whether or not in monkey society they have yeah. babysitters. Or, yeah. sorry, <laughs> boy, is my face red. Monkey sitters. Yeah, that's v- actually very important. Yeah. Um, Chapter 14, man. It's just a burn. It's good Bible. stuff. Did you talk about the burn on Dawn? She just keeps eating carrots the entire yeah. time. Yeah. It's just like Marianne is crying the whole time. Dawn is constantly crunching on carrots. Oh, and the burn on Claudia is actually really good too. Charlotte Johansson is playing her. Yeah. While she's like stuffing candy bars <laughs> in her mouth. And she wants to take the babysitter's club clock and yeah. wear it as a hat. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fucking brilliant. It was all very good. Chapter 14, Baby Nation. I encourage you to check it out. This whole book is full of great burns. It's also full of the saddest burn of all time, which is they run this poor man out of town. Right. And then he's replaced by a man named Mr. Bellafato. Which means well said in Italian. No one asked. <laughs> okay, Baby Nation. Here's what happened. I was looking at this on my little screen here. Tanner heard me say that and then... I could see that you were interested. That seemed interesting to you. And there was part of you, there was a good part of you that wanted to be like, oh, that's so interesting. And then your worst self prevailed and you said no one asked. It's actually something that happened in this book. Uh, We looked over towards the garage. Becca and the Pikes were huddling in a rough circle talking Margo was laughing hysterically about something. Adam had that boy look. You know, that sneer that says, I'm not interested at all. Tell me more. <laughs> I was being a real pike boy. Yeah. Okay, Jack. Um, it took us forever to just get to my book recap, and I know we're burning the midnight oil yeah. here, and I just have one more question for you before we finally get the mm-hmm. fuck out of here. Did you, this week, have a... <gasps> Beautiful moment. I always try to do it how you do it, and yeah, and I always switch it up. Yeah, I try to switch it up every time. Keep it a little varied. Keep it a little interesting. You know, like dance the dance. Um, I have a tearful moment. Oh, you do. This whole fucking book, man. You're you're too much of a trout sympathizer. I am a trout sympathizer. I like He's just a sad man who was in over his head, man. Yeah, and he was drummed out of town because he was different. Baby Nation, we haven't talked enough about this fucking prank. They like they like rig up this fucking prank where they like get a fish hook to pull his toupee off, and in the course of doing it, they make him think that they're finally interested in what he has to say. It's that wasn't even the final straw. So though. fucking sad. That the, wasn't the that wasn't the titular awful. The final prank. straw is that they do this like making fun of teachers play and Jesse plays Mr. Trout with like a baldness wig on. As a Klingon, I didn't she's also a Klingon. Yeah, it got it gets, a little they kinda lost the plot. Oh my goodness, he has a speech impediment, they make fun of it. This is a brutal book. Baby oh, Nation. Oh god, yeah, he has a speech impediment. Baby Nation, he says his R's is W when he gets Do nervous. not read this book, Baby Nation. And the kids just latch on to it and they just 
relentlessly, brutally Ugh. patronize him for Ugh. it. It's twout. They keep calling Mr. him Mr. Twout. Okay. Oh, it's brutal. No, I'm coming around to you, man. It's a sad one. Ugh. Poor Mr. Twout. Okay. Here's my cheerful moment, and it's the moments before the prank that will end him. And it, try to think of this for a fucking second, you heartless monsters, from Trout's perspective. These are the moments in Trout's life before he dies. By Mr. Trout's class, I was numb. It didn't help that every single person in class was on his or her best behavior because they're about to prank him. They don't want to ruin this prank. Right. Somehow that was the creepiest thing of all. People took notes and listened. Everyone was smiling. Mr. Trout must have thought he discovered the secret to discipline by doing nothing. He actually tried to crack a joke or two, I think. I don't know for sure. With him, it was a little hard to tell. I had no idea what this plan was. Sanjita hadn't told me. I just sat there expecting the worst. About halfway through the class, Mr. Trout began erasing the blackboard. All right, uh, I need uh, a few volunteers to write a simpler version of the program we just did. He gestured toward the blackboard. Pretty mean impression. He sounds like Mr. Spear. <laughs> sounds like Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Trout has spoken. <laughs> Stupid. Too close to home. Yep. I'll add two points to your grade point average if your program has the fewest steps. Six kids jumped up from their desks. Mr. Trout's eyes practically popped out. Suddenly, he looked completely different. I realized it was because I was seeing him smile for the first time ever. This was the first time that this man had smiled because he felt for the first time ever a human connection. Right. He, f- he finally had respect. And it turns out that the reason that he had that respect was because they were planning a prank that was going to drive him forever out of town. And into the waiting arms of Major League Baseball, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Where he would later break his finger. Yeah. Well, f- and that's that's my tearful moment. It's song. like, I really hope, because they're, they're not going to be able to get another ace this late in this season. No. <laughs> Am I right? It's August. <laughs> Season's over, but yeah. <laughs> Hey, Brooklyn Dodgers, pack it up, huh? <laughs> uh, hey, I'm not even sure you guys are going to be around next season if you keep up this <laughs> at this rate, huh? Yeah. Another city might yeah, buy you, you out. You're not careful. That's some fun baseball humor for you, Baby Nation. Uh, the Dodgers are in L.A. now. That was the baseball jokes. And have been for about the last 70 years. Yep. <laughs> hey, Tanner, I, I had another thought. Okay. Um, should we get the fuck out of here? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Baby Nation, thank you so much for listening to our humble podcast. Sweet Pete, uh not super happy with you for not getting back to our many requests for comment on this novel, but yeah. thank you for listening. Uh-huh. Um, Sweet Pete and Baby Nation, I don't tell you this enough. I both love and kiss you. Okay. That's weird, but it's weird when you single out an individual. Sweet Pete, uh, if you can follow us back so we can DM you. Yeah, hit us back, Pete. We just want to go grab a drink, and if you don't drink, just dinner. And we'll love and kiss you in person. <gasps> oh, Pete, you know what would be fun? Yeah. Let's go on the Circle Line cruise. Yeah. Oh, you know what's great in New York is we can we could walk along the High Line. Oh, it's Pete. It's beautiful this time of year. Pete, have you ever seen it, bud? It's so cool. You're going to love it. Yeah. Jack will fly in for it. Oh, or, man, that's good. Or, Pete. Yeah, Pete. You and I will fly down to Austin. Oh! Kind of have a cool what? buds weekend. Oh, what a fun visit that would be. That would be so much fun. Pete, we do yeah. have to do it before Little Jack is born. Yeah, before Little Jack comes Which out. Just like a month from now. Sweet Pete, I love and kiss you. Baby Nation, I love and kiss you. Baby Nation, please write us a review on iTunes and also subscribe to our show on iTunes. Uh, I 
enjoy reading your lovely reviews. And also, it helps us in the rankings, and it helps to get our podcast noticed, which is very important right. to both of us, and also to the expanding Baby Nation. Jack and I have also been rigorously getting our dumb podcast to work everywhere. Yeah. So subscribe to us wherever you want, because at this point, if it doesn't work on a platform, it's like outside of our control. Like, we've done everything. We're on Spotify. Yeah. We're on Podbean. We're on whatever. M- just make something Pocket up Cast, right now. Pocket Overcast. Um, Stitcher. But if you if you don't see Google, us on something... Google uh, Play. Let us know. Keep those sweet Pete, Peter Larangis moment songs coming, Baby Nation. I've got a spreadsheet. Yeah, those are great. They're fucking awesome. There have been so many good ones, and I wish we could use them all every time. Um, Baby Nation, this week we read a book that was called Jesse's Horrible Prank. Next week, we're reading a book called Stacy's Lie. That's basically every fucking Stacy book, as far as I'm concerned. Since book number two, Stacy's Big Secret. No, that's not what book number two is called. Hmm? The Truth About Stacy. That's what I meant. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> Um, Stacy Shadow Government. Next week we're reading a book about Stacy fucking lying. Right. Stacy and the New World Order. Stacy, look, Stacy, we're giving you the benefit of the doubt right now. No, we like you and right now. We both like you a lot. Don't fucking lie to us. Right. Right now. Don't lie to us right now. Okay? Um, but next week we're going to be reading that book. This week I have been Jack Shepard. I have been Tanner Greenring. This week Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. Where they ruthlessly mock the members of the Babysitter's Club. What's that sound I'm hearing? It's Jenkins trying to get in. Shall I let him in? <laughs> He's really upset because I closed all the doors and Sarah's not home. Jenkins, you can come in, buddy. <laughs> can you hear him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the he's like the Mr. Trout of my life. Look. I just want to take a picture. Hey, Mr. Got it. Look how sweet. Very sweet boy. Very sweet, tender boy. Did you, that, did, you did you make that tiny sound or did no, he? Check it. <laughs> that was because I was squeezing him. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>